Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Jack Thurston, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. Hi, friends. I'm Alex, and I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, and I'm joined by my stoker. I'm Jack Thurston, and you're listening to The Bike Show. Um, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's... Let's speak Jenny. I'm joined by Jenny. Sorry, I'm late. Well, but, th- but this is this is this is the bike show podcast. What? Oh, I thought it, this is the Wheel Suckers podcast. Um, I don't think so. This what? is the bike show. Well, why don't we record together? Um, I don't know about that. What's what's going to happen? I don't know. We have stuff in common, don't we? What we're both podcasts about bikes and people who ride bikes. Oh my god, we do a podcast about bikes and you do a podcast yeah, that's about true. bikes. Should we do this together? It could, it could work. Let's do this together. Let's, let's try this. Let's I... ride this <laughs> trandom. Trandom. No. What is a triple tandem? It's a trandom. Trandom? Yeah. This triple is a terrible tandem. triple <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're joined by our friend. He's now our friend. We're joined by our friend Jack. Well, it's great to be here on the Wheel Suckers <laughs> podcast and welcome to all the listeners to the bike show too. Um, the Wheel Suckers podcast is... The younger, more attractive, funnier version of the bike show, and more female version of the bike show. Should <laughs> Which is better generally. It's fine. You well, don't need to spell on, it out. On <laughs> every criterion, you do um, exceed. So, what do you do, Jack, for our listeners that maybe don't know? Well, I started presenting the bike show when it was a radio show before there were podcasts back in 2004 on an art radio station in London called Resonance FM, which is still going. And um, 200 episodes later, I am living in the Black Mountains in southeast Wales and have a sideline in cycle touring guidebooks, which is why I'm here today in London, because I'm going to be at Look Mum No Hands in about an hour, drinking beer and trying to flog a few copies of my book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is about cycling in the West Country. So maybe we can talk about that later. But yeah, the bike show is kind of like, it's, it's about everything to do with cycling, especially not racing cycling. If you delve back into the archives of, you know, these all these hundreds of shows, you'll find that Dunwich Dynamo in 2005. I think gonna, I listened to something about uh, Sturmy Archer Hubs. Sturmy Archer Hubs. good. We had an interview <laughs> with Sheldon Brown before he died. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. That was he. So it's, it's kind of like there are actually quite a number of people who have interviewed on the bike show who are now dead. 
So it's it's Uh-oh. that is a statement. Is that a sign? If you keep going for long enough, you'll find the same thing happens to your guests. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Death comes wow. from for us all, friends. But um, Jenny, it, tell the few bike show listeners who don't know who you are, Tim. Tell them about yourself. Uh, yes, you. I didn't introduce myself at the beginning. I am the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We're a do-it-together bike workshop in Hackney, and we teach people how to fix their own bikes. And uh, I wrote a book last year called How to Build a Bike. I used to work around the corner from the 56A bike in Elephant thing Castle. in Elephant yeah, Castle. Yeah. And that is, is that kind of the same sort of idea yeah. of basically you come and fix your same own bike? Vibe. Uh, but we we monetized it because we need to pay for our overheads and we pay our staff a living wage. Um, even myself now, including <gasps> a living wage. This is amazing. Um, so the idea is that people can come in and learn from us how to fix all sorts of things. So we do a whole spectrum of classes from introduction to maintenance, stuff on, we just introduced a hydraulic disc brake class. We are also doing wheel building and build your own bike classes so we're trying to build up people's skills around their bicycle with the idea, the main goal is getting people to ride their bike more. more but Hashtag more butts on bikes. Yeah. We just want people to ride their bikes more. And so we're taking away the fear that's kind of surrounding a bike when, when something goes wrong. There is a lot of fear. It's something that I think about a lot because if you drive a car, which I do as well as ride bikes, you're never expected to fix your car, are you? That's like... That's not part of the deal. Basically, cars never go wrong, really, almost never go wrong compared to bikes. And when they do, the idea is you just take them to be fixed. And get ripped off. And I guess, yeah, it costs a hell of a lot of money. No, tell me about it. You could buy a new bike every time you take a car in to be fixed. But it does worry me that I get my hands filthy, like on a bike ride, and I have to fix a puncture or do something to it. And it's like, this is, haven't they sorted this out yet? Why why do I have to do this? So I've got great hopes for things like, I don't know. um, Electronic brakes. Electronic shifting, for sure. Um, Belt drive. Hub gears. Hub gears. Because, you know, you shouldn't have to be kind of fixing your bike on, on one level. But on the other level, it's incredibly interesting and kind of rewarding thing and to empowering. do and empowering yeah. I don't use that word but that's the word I was going to use yeah. I was thinking the other day I was like I ride a machine you know you're like love machines and technology and bikes are that really yeah, they're they gears are. and stuff going around and it's kind of really cool when you it's... start to demystify what all the parts are and that's what I think Jenny's, Jenny's workshops Jenny's space does really well because it's very easy to look at a bike as I've been learning parts and you're like it almost looks blurry because you just can't mm. even take it in. Actually, it's a really interesting, that link I sent you today, there's this test website where you can test products oh, out. Oh, that's terrible. And someone I know linked it to me because I get this all the time. I don't know if you guys do, especially like with Christmas where it's like, yeah. you like bikes, you get bike shit. So I get all the links to oh all God. the fucking cruddy bikes. All the presents. All the bike presents. I'm like, you guys I actually like love bike. this. Oh, well, because it's got a little embossed yeah, logo. Yeah, yeah, it's got a yeah. bike, yeah. And I got sent this one that was, test this lady's bike and keep it. And the photograph, the Jokes. brake pads oh my God. weren't even like aligned on the rim. There were no brake levers. And then there were no levers and no They need cables. to be aligned on the rim, do they? So they're like... <laughs> Is that like part of... <laughs> Will I learn that by reading your book? That's in the book. Okay. Yeah. And it was this thing where I was Learning like, already. someone else had sent it to me, and obviously they couldn't see that because they just 
don't they even don't know. know. Yeah. It's like those, um, have you seen the drawings that people do where someone's asked them to draw a bike and then they do it and then it's like, it's totally... <laughs> In like a the, Picasso. The, yeah, the cranks are in the wrong spot, or it's, it doesn't have a down tube, but people don't know. It's not part of their... The best is when that's the person who's just drawn the bicycle on, on the bike lane. Yeah. That oh, yeah. I love those bikes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like you try riding that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the wheels are kind of completely oval, yeah. and they're never going to go yeah. round. So, so your book is about someone, basically, it's like, it looks like you've got a strong leaning towards lugged steel. It's not uh, a lot of carbon fibre in here. Or, or is, is it but the idea that if you like had a bike or found a bike frame in a skip yeah. and you could turn it into a bike that you could ride turn with minimal... Turn single speed. So single there's no speed. gears okay. in this boat. Okay. And the idea was you're taking a, a, like a eraser from the 60s, 70s, 80s, vintage steel kind of yeah. frame. Um, and downcycling it. And d- yes, exactly. <laughs> Get rid of the gears. Yeah, Get it rid makes of it so much easier. You don't. You don't need <laughs> gears. It's actually a book about unicycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ride it till the rims fall off. <laughs> the simplest form okay. of a ride. Yeah, you want to come, you guys? And... Unicycles are the future. Oh, oh they're so hipster. That's going to be the peak. I did see one of Victoria Victoria Park the other day, and I nearly threw up. <laughs> I hate them. And then you get the giant. Have you seen the touring unicycles? What? They exist. Touring yeah. unicycles. Yes. What? There's like handlebar kind of thing on it where you can put your bags and like. Please. There's that guy, Joff, something or other Joff, who's been recycling around the world, unicycling around the world. And yeah, he's got panniers. Oh my God. God. Yeah. Actually, I, I think. I think I had him on the bike show. Did I? You've when had a unicyclist. Like with panniers, and he, but it was good. I mean, have you ever ridden a tall bike? Yes, no. I cried the entire time. <laughs> I, mean, I just could, I couldn't get off, so I just had to keep riding it. it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to grab onto a pole, and I kind of got it wrong, and then I like <laughs> slid down it. <laughs> yeah. But once you're up, it's quite hard to get up onto it yep. but once you're up it's remarkably stable and you get so many smiles yeah it's yeah the only people like give way and yeah, they say it, hi yeah. and you're like why can't you do this when I'm on yeah. a regular bike yeah. the only thing that's come close is cycling with uh, my kids on the bike which I've done because they're sort of still small enough to be able to be, go on my bike now two and four and um, and cycling around town in where I live in Abergavenny I get so many smiles and people coming up to saying, oh, that looks so nice, they look so happy, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, why can't you be like that to all All cyclists. Yeah. You look so get... happy and you'd be like, oh, no, always. Do you have, like, one one kid on the front and one kid on the back? Well, I did that when I was had the elephant bike, um, which is those post office bikes that have yeah. been oh, um, nice. reconditioned and they're sending them. You buy one and then the money that you pay... Um, sends one to Malawi oh, cool. to a social enterprise oh, there where they get used by people who need transport, local transport to get around with their businesses. And um, but they're the old Pashley Pronto kind of mail bikes when the nice. Royal Mail decided they didn't want to have bikes, they just gave them to this social enterprise anyway. So I had one on the front on, the, on handlebars and one on the back, but then my daughter got too big and heavy for the front. So now we have got a, an amazing like electric long tail. So there's extra cycle, make a make a long tail with cool. 26 inch wheel at the front, 20 inch wheel at the back. So the kids go on a big long platform at the back. 
And um, yeah, we get a lot of. Is it a little up. bench? There's yeah, it's like a long. Well, it's not, they don't so sit side saddle. They just kind of astride it. Yeah, yeah. But it's got these little hoops that go around the side that they kind of hang on to, so oh, they can cool. turn around and you can fit three three on the back That's there. Awesome. Wow, I want to go on one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Ride me round, Jenny. I want kids just so I can stick them on a bike. <laughs> well, I saw I saw that thing that that cargo bike taxi. Pedalwee! Yeah, Pedalwee rules. Just, just around the corner. Yeah, we love Pedalwee. Yeah, they didn't have a fare though, so they were just kind of cruising for trade, I suppose. Just like Uber. So. Mm, yeah. They're Uber. Yeah. A bike app, Uber. Yeah. yeah. They're doing well? Really good. I think so. They're, doing, they're, they're looking for ri- drivers, I guess. Riders. Riders. No, no, they're riders. looking for people to actually more? drive the bike. I, I can't say ride the bikes because that's a customer, but I mean the people who are. Oh. Okay. Pe- Operator. Operators. Yes. Yeah. That's the word. Yes. Yeah, so looking for more people. Actually, a fun story. But one of the uh, drivers, one of the people that work for them, uh, he's a life model. We used him for bicycle life drawing. <laughs> Did you have the bike in there as well? No. We should oh, do that, that next time. So good. Yeah. Like sitting astride the. Just lying on the pedal. Yeah. Draw me like one of your pedalies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's really nice when I because I sort of did cold turkey when I left London in 2013 um, and haven't really come back very much. So when I do come back, there's always like a lot of change has happened. That was going to be one of my questions was, mm, what are the differences yeah. since you left? Because it hasn't been that long. Well, five years now. Yeah, five years. Um, the cycle superhighways at Blackfriars Road, because I lived in Waterloo on the, on the cut. Um, well, I was living in London and that Blackfriars Road was a complete kind of urban desert. And now it's got this cycleway in it, which is great. And I think there's, I, I rode the one on the sat on the embankment, yeah. kind of east-west yeah. superhighway. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it's really that's good. good. It's but, so nice. Um, so there's good stuff happening, but I gather there's a bit of bike lash against these things, that, 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 and that it seems like the current mayor is not quite so enthusiastic about about confronting the antis. I think he kind of is. In, yeah. What I gather, he's in, in, sort of in favour of it in theory, but doesn't want to fight the fights. Doesn't want to expend his political capital to make it happen. I don't so think he rides a bike, does he? I don't think that should matter. No, 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 no you're right. But it would make him more empathetic or yeah. s- he would be one of us, mm. but he's not one of us. I and know. that's why he's kind of like straddling the fence being like, I need to make everyone happy when it's like, actually this is one of those Jeanette City con moments where it's like, no, you have to force the people who are complaining into realizing, no, this is wrong. The only way our city is going to reduce congestion and get rid of air pollution is to introduce viable uh, cycle lanes for people to use. But don't you think it's more powerful when that argument comes from someone who isn't a habitual cyclist, that they've basically got it, they understand it. Yeah. But, it, but that, yeah, that for seems sure. to rarely happen. It, Peter Walker, yeah. one of the things in his, the guy who wrote that book called Bike Nation, have you had him on the... We, ha- we haven't podcast. yet. Peter, no. Peter Walker, Peter if you're Walker. listening, I don't need <laughs> We can tweet him. He's been on the bike show. You can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Last April, I think. Um, but anyway, he's, I, I could, he said that it's still too um, much reliant on having a mayor or a, some city leader who is enthusiastic about cycling. It's not something that just makes sense mm-hmm. to the people running the city in the way that we think it should Mm. and that's as long as you're dependent on individuals and their own passion and commitment then I think it's on shaky ground Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's that's my fear but it's definitely I mean so much more I mean I'm I'm kind of smiling at everyone who's on a bike 
like, so people think there's this mad guy walking around London, kind of, hi, hi, because in Abu Dhabi, you smile at him. Well, yeah, you're like, like, oh, there you are. Oh, I didn't think you'd be doing this. Well done. <laughs> it reminds me of how it used to be in the late 80s and 90s when I sort of started cycling all around London, because I grew up in London, and that's sort of when I started cycling all around London. You would greet each other or a wave or something like that, or just an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement, yeah. kind of nod. But now, you know, you'd be crazy to do that in London. I get it. I do a bit. Yeah, I get it in Leytonstone, where I live, which is very east east, and I don't see many cyclists around there. So when I do, we would like give each other a really odd look, where it's like, uh, oh, uh, but we want to maybe say hi, but then we're too embarrassed, or it's a bit weird. So now we're in that weird zone. I think that's a very London thing. It's like, Just on the outskirts. You want to, well, you want to engage, but also you're too not scared. But it's like that's not what you do in London. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of. People have just got to cross that threshold. Um, there's lots of ways. I mean, the Boris bikes are quite good for doing that, weren't they? That that anyone could just hop on and have, give it a go. You didn't have to have a bike. And I think a lot of people don't realise that having a bike in a city is actually quite a hassle. Because you've got to store it somewhere. You're going to take up space. They and get ev- stolen all Everybody's time. living in such small flats upstairs and all this kind of stuff. They don't want this oily monster in their hallway, do they? I mean, unless you really take the plunge and then you just live in a house full of a billion bikes, which is so probably what, what your, we all did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the dockless schemes? Yeah, well, I saw those around and I thought, what is that crap bike? Who's <laughs> <laughs> like, driving that crap bike? And then you're like, and there it is again! Oh, there it is again! There's a glitch in the Matrix! <laughs> then I realised it was one of these... Um, these do- these doctor sure. spikes, yeah, uh, the one with the metal like red metal wheels. I mean, how do they ride? They're I haven't. Plastic. Read- Are I they have plastic a... wheels? Okay, I, I don't want it. I... Alex wants to do a, a, a test. Yeah, I'm like no. I'm right. I've ridden uh, my the Urbo <laughs> one, which are green. Oh, there's more. Yeah, there's three different ones. There's, there's a three. yellow. Yellow. I've ridden one Ofo, of those as well. Mobike and Ofo. Oh no. <laughs> Erbo, <laughs> Barclow Bico. <laughs> don't know. We should have done. We should have done a race, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should have one each. This should be like. And a also, we should have seen who got challenged the most at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've ridden all Erbo. My Erbo one's quite funny. Was I? My friend had used one, and it was like, let's ride it to the pub, and then we can get trashed and get public transport home. And they'd already used theirs and already actually had an account. So guided me getting my account set up, got to the bikes where they were all kind of, some of them had fallen over at Leytonstone Station. And I immediately unlocked mine. And then my friend who'd already used the app couldn't unlock it. And we tried for about half an hour trying all different bikes while I just kind of cycled around him like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? My clock's running. Yeah, and I got charged and like waiting. (laughs) And then we had to give up. And then I actually like tweeted them and instagrammed them and they were pretty good at getting back to me but obviously couldn't work out why on earth weird and you just think that's it now not probably going to use it again but is it one of these things where you think you're paying to use a bicycle but actually you're supplying them with a load of interesting data about yourself that they will then sell to someone else who will now know where you've been i mean is that is this just another one yeah, yeah. yeah. or, yeah, or, 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 they, or is the business model based around kind of getting money in from the from the hire I mean how much does it cost to ride one it's not this expensive. yeah it wasn't very expensive you just paid for what you rode so like a pound an hour or 
I think I paid one pound fifty to do like laps of Flintstone Car Park <laughs> for half an hour. Yeah, so true. and then I used Money to, well spent. Yeah, it was fun. I had fun. <laughs> the bike's terrible, but and I used an Ofo, but I used it in the snow. Yeah. Because I hadn't been cycling because I rode fix and I was a bit too. A snowfo. A snowfo. <laughs> yeah, and I just started skidding on it. I was just so going down the road like yeah. But the best thing is you just get off. Luck it, and I was like, yeah. not my yeah. problem. Yeah. No fault. Because that, that was the first hire that I hire by that I ever saw in Berlin. Was that was the Deutsche Bahn one that was dockless, and that was way before Velib came oh, really? in France. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was quite weird. You just sort of left them around. But Berlin is a really spacious city, and the, there's loads of space to leave a load of junk around the place. But it does seem as though London is not as spacious as Berlin, and you know these things could end up cluttering up the place um, yeah I mean people talk about that all the time they're like have you seen the Douglas Bike graveyard and you're like yeah, yeah I've been to the Netherlands so but <laughs> yeah then, it yeah, looks right. like that there so but then let's talk about parked cars you know to know, look at graveyard <laughs> so should we talk about your book yes yeah. please so why is West best well <laughs> was West, what I thought West but is best West is best um, I wouldn't say it's best I'd say it's equal to the other two. So um, what are the other two? So, yes. yeah, so my books are called Lost Lanes and um, they are books of bike rides in the countryside, basically, although the London and South East one has got a couple of urban um, explorations. And they are, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're very much the traditional style of, of like a, of a guide to where to go cycling, like that was produced in the 1890s and the 1900s and all the way through the 20th century. And the reason I decided to do a book like that myself was... Because in the 90s, I used to do day rides with friends and um, taking the train out of London and going for a ride and then coming back. And that was like on a Saturday or Sunday. And a group of us, maybe six or eight of us, would go out. And we used these books by a guy called Nick Cotton um, that were kind of, you know, they were great. They were great rides, but they weren't very appealing. They didn't make it look, you know, inviting and nice. But I knew about, I knew that I liked cycling. And I just wanted some interesting places to go. And I wanted a route that I knew would work for my friends. So we used these books. And I thought that um, I could produce some beautiful bike rides and try and tell a story about them um, and try and produce some um, nice photography that would kind of evoke how nice it is just to go riding a bike in the countryside. Um, Because I found that while I needed no invitation to go cycling, some of my friends or their friends or girlfriends or whatever would be like why do I want to go for a bike ride rather than do any of the other things we could do this weekend so I'd have to come up with some story about why this bike ride was amazing and you can't miss it because we're going to have oysters in this shack on the beach I like it Um, or or we're going to visit eight different kinds of windmill or it's a pub ride or we're going to yeah go to these three different incredible pubs so basically try and produce rides that had had a sort of theme or a story and um, and try and get people to, to to take their bikes out of the town centre, city centre, and go cycling. And then and that was the London and the South East one. That was all about like hopping on the train out to the countryside and doing a loop and come back. Um, and then the Wales one was a, was about Wales um, and and the and the and the border counties in England. And then this one was about the West Country, which is my definition of the West Country is from like Stonehenge and Avebury. It's basically where the first book stopped. <laughs> I see. You're just West kind direction. of mapping out areas that yeah. haven't... So this is how four. So this is book three. Oh, three. So, yeah. So, so this one goes from kind of Avery and Stonehenge in Wiltshire, 
um, Salisbury Plain, that area, all the way down to Land's End, and then cool. north as far as the M4, and that because I had to kind of draw a line somewhere. Yeah, mapped out. So it's got good rides out of Bristol, um, Exeter, Bath, you know, that kind of area, Froome, because, um, you know, there's quite a lot of people who ride bikes around there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they it's got hilly down there, so people um, have to, you know, gird themselves for a for, for a few for a few hills because um, yeah, compared to that, then the London the southeast is so flat. Yeah, yeah, Griff just came back from spending time in Devon over the weekend, and he said he has to get new wheels now because his rims are concave from all the braking he was doing. Wow! I was like, mate, don't brake, like just go <laughs> descend. Like. Yeah. There's a quote I've got in there from a from a cycling guidebook of, from a, published in 1897, um, which says, if one is to Ride a bicycle in Devon, one must be prepared to work. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally true. It's, it's brutal, but um, you don't have to go fast. You know, you can walk up the hills. Yeah. Um, I do, um, some of them, in Cornwall. Um, whew, 30%, that sort of thing. I'm not riding up that. Brutal. So do you have plans to do... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The entire country. If, yeah. if this one sells okay, um, then then there'll be a logic to do another one. Cool. Um, I think there's probably yeah Midlands, uh, heart of England type of thing. Um, I'm not quite sure whether whether you, whether it should be Midlands or heart of England. Um, heart of England sounds better. I think so, but then apparently it was people very English. So, yeah. you know, in the heart beating strong. But people who live like in the Midlands like. to are kind of quite patriotic about the Midlands mm. and they think so, that heart of England is a snobbish euphemism because mm. people can't bear to stay in the Midlands because it sounds drab to an outsider. So I'm stepping all over mines and they're exploding Ooh. there right centre oh, here. Something went in my eye, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be doing another book at all. Oh, uh, but obviously then back, there's, Jack. There's, there's the north of England, which is, you know, cycling paradise, isn't it? I mean, the Lake District, yeah. Yorkshire, probably two books there. I need time. to know what your favourite pub was in this book. Oh, good question. 
There's a really nice pub just outside Exeter that you can only get to by walking or cycling. Cool. Um, and that is called the Turf Locks Inn, I think, or Hotel. Um, and I'll put a link below. <laughs> there is, I mean, I've got a whole page of best for pubs. Yeah, because I was like, I like pubs, I like drinking. The Compasses, um, which is near, kind of near Salisbury. Um, so everyone should go to Salisbury because there's really good cycling there, um, out on the River Wiley and, and around there. Um, there's some good pubs in Dartmoor. Uh, is this book good for cider drinkers? Mm, yeah. I like cider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Yeah, you've got the Somerset, so there's some rides yeah. on the Somerset levels and then into South Somerset. And that's, I mean, one of the nice things about doing this sort of book is that, you know, I, I know bits of countryside everywhere from having ridden through it on long rides, but I don't know everywhere. But when you do like a book like this, you've got to, got to go everywhere. Mm. You've got to check everywhere out. And so you end up finding some places that you didn't know existed. So South Somerset, just the area north of Sherbourne, um, it's really beautiful, uh, really, really nice. There's some amazing hills there. How um, do you decide on what determines a ride? Like ooh. start and finish. If you're doing all this kind of recon exploration, yeah. do you start to piece things together or do, is it kind of apparent? Well, I try, I try to make them all start at the railway station because cool. um, I don't want people like, putting their bikes in cars and having to drive to car parks and all that stuff. Um, not all of them have worked that way because the, the cuts in the 1960s to the, you know, means that North Devon and Cornwall have got no trains anymore, so it hasn't quite worked to do everything. Generally, if there's, if there's an area that I think is really beautiful, it's got some lovely lanes and has got something interesting at the end of it, an um, interesting pub or a place to stay or a place to eat um, or particularly interesting ruin or old buildings or villages or a coastal road. I mean, the lanes, ultimately, if this is just an absolutely gorgeous lane that goes on for a few miles, I'll try and work a route, route into that. And they're all loops. Um, and I also, I've, I've joined a bunch of them together, so you can see on the map, so you could do, like, oh, several nice. days. Like, you could start here and kind of go all the way up there and then come back. So you could look, join a few of the rides together for, nice. for a kind of mini tour. And for me, cycling's not so much about trying to, get a really long way and say, I've cycled, you know, to Land's End, from Land's End to John Grove. It's more about trying to acquaint yourself with a place. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to go the most direct route. Um, if you're taking, if it's an interesting route, it's pleasurable to ride and you're seeing new and interesting things all, all along the way. If it's a loop, it doesn't, doesn't matter, um, I, I don't think. That's interesting. Um, mm. uh, so there are a few, yeah, it's there are a few gaps. It's this book. It's not about It's our vibe, distance. isn't it? Yeah. It's about yeah. enjoying your surroundings. And, and, I, and I'm thrilled at how um, kind of this whole adventure cycling thing is taking off um, because adventure cycling is cycle touring, rebranded. <laughs> rebranded. Right? <laughs> uh, Everything rebrands. But, you know, the idea of, of, of sleeping in a bivy bag yeah. is now incredibly aspirational um, and people want to do that sort of thing. Bikes with fat tyres mm-hmm. um, and, and luggage carrying is, is what people want to have now. Um, and I think that's great. I think that's, they're much more usable bikes for all sorts of stuff. I mean, I'm, it's a bit depressing how the bike industry is so tied to like the professional bike racing industry. And so we just get given as recreational or utility cyclists kind of adapted versions of, uh, of a, a bike that Tour de France that's winner might ride or whatever, which is just not what we need. You know, I have no use for like a 52 tooth 
chain reactors have no use for it at all. But I think that's that's changing, especially like with Bespoke coming up, where more people have an opportunity to build their own bikes. And even with your book, Jenny, you can make your own bikes. And I think more and more that's happening with cycling is we're not having to rely on these manufacturers or brands as much anymore. Well, yes and no. I mean, there are some things that have changed in technology that have made this whole adventure cycling thing kind of possible, like disc brakes means you no longer have to worry about whether your wheels are a certain size or not because you're not braking on the rim anymore. You're, you can have a 650B wheel one week and a 700C wheel the next week and you can have fat tyres mm-hmm. or 28 mil tyres, and but it's still reliant on a disc brake setup and that is a new bit of technology that's come in one thing that worries me a little bit is all the different standards that are coming in now with like axle spacing and hub spacing and things don't seem to be as compatible and like you can't just like take a wheel and like put it on a bike. It's like, does this fit? Is this the right millimetre? I mean, you, you must, Jenny, that must be what you get all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, not so much because still the bikes that come in the workshop are pretty, still from the 70s, 80s, a lot of uh, uh, vintage bikes. Um we are slowly starting to see these fancier bikes come in, and it's a headache. And I don't understand why. I mean, I understand why the industry is doing it. It's because they want to make money. It's it's atrocious. We throw away so much um, in terms of, of the planned obsolescence that's worked into the, the bike industry. Um, and then now they're coming out with these different standards, and I'm just like, can you, can you not, like, can't we just agree it's 130 for now like why are we I know why we're going wider is because there's different disciplines so everything's getting more and more specialized but you're right it's it they try to sell what the pros are using to punters and it's like this whole press fit bottom bracket headache thing that I'm currently dealing with I'm just like that belongs on a pros bike because they throw their bikes away that's where PressFit belongs. They do not belong on a fucking commuting bike. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, so yeah, that's no, that, why. I think, I think I can go a certain way down that road with you, but then I do think that there are some <laughs> things which are big improvements. I mean, disc brakes are the case where the, they're being forced onto the pros. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. when they don't really need them, because, like, they you're trying stand. to go fast, you don't need to stop, do you, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but because... They are what people are riding in the kind of amateur or, or you know, recreational utility bikes. Then the pro bikes have got to be made to look a bit more like that. Otherwise, I feel like they're not, people are not getting the bike that Chris Froome's got or the bike that's evolved out of the bike that Chris Froome's got. Um, but then again, I do think disc brakes make a lot of sense. I do like the wheel compatibility, the changing that you can yeah. have, because that's actually what I'm thinking of doing on my next bike. Alex, I'm going to be hawking my books in Look Mum No Hands in a minute. That business, that thing, feels like a kind of, I don't know, just this wonderful thing that I can't imagine not existing in London for cycling. And how long has it been? It's not... Eight years. Eight years. Oh eight years this month. Right. 2010, April. They don't actually know the date they officially opened. No one can remember. Is this, I mean, talk about <laughs> fixture. In, in yeah. A, and is it, is it going well? Yeah, Old Street's doing well. We have a sister site in Whitechapel, which is doing okay. We're actually going to start closing there at the weekends because it's really dead around there. But that's a really nice cafe by the people at Look Mum Your Hands. Because what we champion and what we've been doing at Look Mum Your Hands is good coffee, good beer, and having a space for bikes and cycling. So we screen 
live cycling got Perry Bay on Sunday and all day today Ooh. I've had people like can I book a table can I book a table and I'm Ooh. like no first come first serve yeah we don't Ooh. do table reservations um, you also got a massive bike workshop as well yeah and so we have a bike workshop and we recently took on Mario from Soho Bikes Soho Bikes is closed so we now have a mountain bike expert expert so we get loads more mountain bikes in. I don't like mountain bikes. Well, they're so big. They their handlebars are really annoying. I they're keep so walking into fun. them. You gotta give it a go. <laughs> no, they look like fun. It's just, yeah. I have to work next to them now. <laughs> so anybody who drops a mountain bike off, I'm the one, like, hanging out with it. <laughs> and do you feel that Look Mother Hands has been imitated and copied and has inspired other places all around the country because I certainly get that impression that the idea of doing a bicycle workshop cafe event space bar thing is it's really taken off and, and people see the possibility when they come to look on their hands I think it's quite interesting I get google alerts and we get we got one recently for the space in Leicester that's going to be opening up which is going to be a cycle cafe and they were like just flat out on the press piece like look mum no hands and a lot of them are like that. They're like, we're opening a new space, like Look Mom No Hands. Uh, we weren't the first cycle cafe, but I think we're one of the longest standing. Quite a lot have kind of bloomed and then disappeared for various reasons, including rent. But I think what's interesting about Look Mom is we do champion being a good cafe first. And it's similar to like a pub where you have all different types of people in there. You know, we don't have just cyclists. And we have a lot of non-cyclists, old and young. People just like to hang out there. And I think that's what's really, really important about the space. So you've got to be a really good cafe and bar before you're doing anything else with bikes. Because people won't stick with you just because of the bikes. No, because we do events. Well, that's what I look after. And the fact that you can turn up and have a really good beer and really good food, it makes them want to come back. You know, you could put on a really, really amazing event and get served a shitty Stella. And you are like, I'm all right. I'm going to go somewhere else. But I think what's interesting about maybe London or that's always been like the standard. You should always champion really good stuff. And that's that's happening with coffee and beer all the time where these places are opening that sell really good food and drink. And that's not amazing anymore. That's just what you should do. Well, London doesn't actually have any shops anymore. It just has <laughs> it's cafes <clusters>. everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing I noticed when on my annual visit. <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah. where, where are the shops? Well, no, the I've shops got, are I can cafes. see a lot of cafes. <laughs> yeah, the shops are bars. Yeah. They're combined now. Mm. You can't just be a shop space. I don't think it works. So with us, yeah, we sell products. We have a new cap out, the Europa cap. Which you were saying is kind of interesting as a slight political statement. I want to. Oh, this is a this is a pro EU cycling yeah, cap. Yeah. Right. And have you taken any heat from that? Uh, my favourite was the minute I posted it on Instagram, someone wrote "loser cap." <laughs> they didn't even spell "loser" right as well. It was oh, like, oh, you're convenient. Oh, well, I have to put in a word for the forty-eight percent socks yes. that I wear, which I think from are from Velotastic. Um, uh, they're, and they're like blue sock with golden stars on. Yeah, and that's what our, if you don't know, our Europa cap is a blue cap with a ring of yellow stars like the European flag. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're doing way more events now and I just champion supporting women cycling or just generally anything that doesn't involve mammals. Well, that was something that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Perry Roubaix, that's... 
But we'll That's get a your screen power, power, you know? Right? I mean, we'll still get the mountains, that. but you're, you're expanding yeah. the remit to include people who are generally underrepresented in the cycling world. Well, that's when I heard, when I first heard the Wheel Suckers podcast, it was kind of during a period when the bike show was having a fallow time due to me being overcommitted with other stuff. And I was really pleased to hear you doing it because it was really <laughs> funny and interesting, um, but also because it wasn't just a load of male cycling journalists talking about professional bike racing. I mean, you do touch on professional bike racing, but you come at cycling from your own angles, which is very different from all the other cycling podcasts. So that's why it's nice to kind of introduce listeners to the bike show to, to you guys. You've got like, how we've got quite, you've been pretty We have a hundred million subscribers. <laughs> Episodes have you got? Like, because people, it's always nice. We don't number them because I just cannot be asked. But it's always nice when you discover. 15? I think we're at 20 something. 20? I have no idea. When you discover a new podcast that you like or that's new to you, it's always really nice when you oh, yeah, there's like 40 shows that I can go and listen to. And then you binge listen to them and you're like, I don't like that podcast so much actually at all. Overdose. I think our earlier stuff, the tech's not that good. But we're getting better. We're getting better. The tech is secondary. To the content. We've had a lot of good people. Oh, we did a survey. So we're going to release the results of that survey soon. But yeah. the biggest comment that we got was, can you improve your sound? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We did get so, told we laughed too much. So, as well, so tell us some of the things that you're, you're, ha- you're most proud of having covered on Suckers. Rebecca Moore. Rebecca Moore. Do you know who Rebecca Moore is? She's a porn star. She's a porn star, but okay. she rides a bike. I'm glad I said no, and I didn't think, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Rebecca. Yeah, I won't go. Well, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. He's like, oh, I love buses and taxis. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay, so come on, tell me more about Rebecca Moore. She's so nice. We're really well, what's scared. What's the connection we to wheel suckers? Ah, well, there's an, yeah, there's an amazing Twitter account called Porn Peddlers. And it's a cycle club of people that work in the adult entertainment industry. So they started they following. Bikes. Yeah, they ride bikes. They ride bikes. And uh, yeah, they started following Look Mom No Hands. And I was like, this is hilarious. Then I we told Jenny, and Jenny was like, like is that following me? <laughs> Approached them. There was a guy called Chris. And Chris was like, you should talk to Rebecca. She's one of our best ambassadors. ambassadors. <laughs> She's a very, she very popular porn star. She came to London. We were so nervous. I had like two cups of coffee and then I was like, that was a bad idea. And then That's she funny. came and it was so funny and really fun. And we played, what was the game? Sex toy bike, or bike, bike tool, tool? Bike tool or sex tool. And then so I listed sex toys or bike product toys. Yeah. And she had to guess which she one was guess. which. Excellent. And I don't remember the tally. <laughs> she didn't do, very, do well. very well. I found some really fun, obscure ones. <laughs> <laughs> like Big Boy. What was it? Big Boy 2 or something. Yeah, that was a pump. Like pump. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the fun, Like that's a very funny, silly episode. Yeah. But I like that we got to interview Aisha McGowan. Yeah. She's going to be the first African-American pro cyclist. She was over from, she was in New York, now she's in New Jersey, I can't remember. But we interviewed she's her in the on, South now. we interviewed her on Karen Hartley's boat. <laughs> yeah. And that was just like really interesting to hear her thoughts, and it actually helped change my marketing strategy at Look Mom Hands. All right. Oh, wow. Yeah. How so, in what way? To include more people of color. Uh-huh. So I have Jules Walker, Lady Fellow, as one of our models for our products. 
because I thought representation is important and hearing Aisha say it you know I was thinking what can I do as a brand you know just think show and represent more people well that's also something really nice about wheel suckers is that you have well you're both women obviously and you get a lot of women on the show but it's not a women's cycling podcast which I probably I mean I might listen to but I listen to wheel suckers because it's really funny and really interesting and it just and it happens to follow your interest and I guess you're yeah, following your noses, because that's what you do with the podcast, isn't it? If, you, if I find something interesting, I'll bring it on the podcast. If you find something interesting, you'll bring it on the podcast. And, um, yeah, you could definitely get a different angle on cycling, and, and particularly women cycling. I mean, I, it's such a crappy term, but, like, <laughs> women cycling, let's, maybe that's better. Women cycling is something that I've noticed becoming more prominent and more visible in media and social media there are more stars in in the firmament there are like yeah um, i'm not going to list them all off but we i mean we have emily chapel on the show uh, lee craigie and the adventure syndicate people those hardcore nutters and sarah hammond and, <laughs> and, and people like that um, but it does seem that, that, that that's that that is something that um wasn't around like when the bike show started there wasn't women talking about their cycling as much there were still lots of women cycling but I don't know if it's to do with the times have changed or whether it's just now that we've got social media and there's so much more about the web, anyone can start something and if it gets popular, you start seeing it pretty quickly. You're not, mm. you're not confined to like institutions that change very slowly, which might be a British Cycling or might be the CTC or whatever, or magazines that are kind of institutions in their own way. Like there's all the cycling magazines that will you know, change at the pace of dinosaur, you know, you can just set something up like a podcast, like a magazine, like a blog, like whatever. And, and suddenly you're seeing things that you didn't used to see before, which I think is really inspiring. And, yeah. I do want to ask you though, if, cause we made a decision to not say that this was a women's podcast. Yeah. And I think if you'd seen that, you maybe wouldn't have connected or listened to it. Cause yeah. I kind of was really enjoying when we first launched it, that we were like the look mum, no hands and London by kitchen podcast and just didn't really say anything else I kind of even avoided saying who we were Mm. because I kind of wanted to trick people into listening to a women's focused (laughs) podcast because I think when surprise yeah we're women all of us (laughs) generally all women (laughs) got it you know because I get it all the time with our twitter like hey guys hey lads yeah oi mate yeah and I'll be like I mean, I call myself Alex, and then that tricks me yeah, as well. Tricks yeah. A lot of the time, I have a meet, you know, and they'll be like, "I'm here to meet Alex," and I'll be like, "It's me," and they're like, "Um, <laughs> I, like, I know what you were doing. I know what you were doing." Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I I used to do the same sort of thing. I mean, obviously, not tackling such a big um, <laughs> issue of uh, disparity in society, but I, I used to lure people into the bike show with stuff about pro cycling, and then give them a load of cycle touring, and me camping out in a bivy bag on the top of the Chilterns or whatever. And, 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 but they wouldn't necessarily come to listen to that, but they'll come and listen to an interview with David Miller or whatever. But then i like quickly turn that off. Here we are in the bivy bag. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, you, you, have to, you have to do a bit of that. But yeah, I think to call yourself like a women's cycling podcast is, is yeah, to risk losing Audience. Audience. straight away. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I listen to Women's Hour. I mean, that's on BBC Four or no Radio Four, which is good sometimes. Um, and that doesn't put me off that it's called Women's Hour, Woman's Hour, 
Woman's Hour. Women's. You were on it, weren't you? I, was on it. Yeah. I don't listen to it though. Um, but, but yeah, I think. But I think the just best thing is just to do it that way. Do it the way that you believe, and people will find out if they like it. But if you, yeah, if you label it, um, I mean, you could just go down so many different niches and things like that, couldn't you? Well, the, yeah, and the reason I said it was because uh, we're big fans of Casquette Magazine. Which, are you aware of? Yes. Yeah, and Danielle set that up, and that doesn't anywhere say that it's a women's magazine. magazine. And she said she got emails from people like, I loved your magazine, blah, 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 like from men. You know, and she was kind of doing this similar thing where it's like, just producing something that happens to just be all about women, and I'm not saying anything, I'm not making it like a statement. And I just kind of, yeah, I was inspired by what she was doing, because... The word cycling, you now have to say women's cycling to be talking about women. Yes. Because the word cycling is just always Assumed attached. to be male. Yeah. So, yeah. And we can't, we can't oh. fight that, I don't think. But that's kind of from where we are. Come, come don't need sideways. to say it. Yes, I think that's sideways. changing, though. I think that is changing. I think it's not fast enough, but I think it's changing. And I think, you know, if you look back through history, you know, there's always been everyone cycling, hasn't there? But yeah, it has become a bit, I think that, that long extinction of cycling that happened in the 60s and 70s, which just left a kind of hardcore rump of, of, of sort of racers and nutters cycling. But um, I mean, there's a woman in my town um, who you should have on show. She used to race in the Isle of Man TT on, on mopeds and stuff like that. And she's got amazing bikes and um, that she's in her 70s now. So there are, there's always been these great characters. Yeah, let's go to send, Wales. Yeah, send, send them our way. If anybody listening knows someone rad that we should interview, send them our way. Yeah, yeah. No, we can fight for it for you with you, Jack. Yeah, well, well, yeah, definitely, definitely. Who will get there first? <laughs> yeah, and if you see, if you come across any interesting men, just send them to, to the mic. To the mic so, okay, don't worry, don't bother. Right, I think we need to wrap up now. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a pleasure to join forces. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. This weird combined baby <laughs> podcast. Bike baby. More than the sum of its parts. Yeah, we'll come to Wales and we'll go camping and do it again. Yes. Find Emily. <laughs> She's out there somewhere. And if you like what we do, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. And share. <laughs> we always have a secret mission. I don't know if you do this on your podcast, but do you know somebody who likes cycling and podcasts? then tell them about our podcast. They'll like it. It's better than the bike show. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 